Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is a dedicated loving member of Stephen M. Levy, sponsored by his son, Morris S. Levy. Also dedicated loving memory of Ms. Lily Safra, and for the Fuashlema of Rabbanit Chana Farhi, Chana Batsima Fega, and Rabbi Eli Abadi Eliyahu Shimon Ben Mazal Fortune. Finally, uh, the, it's dedicated in love memory, Lulu Shohet, uh, Lulu Bat Aziza, sponsored by her grandson, by her grandson, excuse me, Haron Shohet. In the week of Cobra, was sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you, your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. I also want to dedicate this class on a personal level to Lilu Nishmat Sophie Bat Miriam, uh, Miss Irene Cohen, the wife of Dr. Ezra Cohen. Uh, Dr. Ezra Cohen is pure and simple, a tzaddik, uh, a person of impeccable midot, uh, the straight, one of the straightest people I ever met in my entire life. A tremendous support for my father in the Hathaway Synagogue for many, many years through thick and thin. Uh, the, uh, the person who worked with the youth minyan both in the synagogue of Hathaway and as well in Brooklyn uh, in Beth Torah. And uh, this, the amount of hours that this man dedicated uh, towards the community and spent time uh, with the synagogue, I know that that was time that he was not at home uh, and his wife's patience uh, and her allowing him and encouraging him to do all the great work that he did is uh, now standing for her in her zechut. We will miss her terribly and our deepest condolences go out to her, uh, to her husband, Dr. Cohen, and all the boys. Um, <clears throat> My friends, our parasha begins with the words, Moshe is asked by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to command Aharon and his children in the, uh, in the way, in the Torah Ta'ola, in the mitzvah of Ola, these are the halachot, this is how you do it, this is how you burn the Ola, this is exactly the procedure in what a person has to do. And I was thinking to myself when I, when I saw this, because you, you go a few pesukim later and you see a very similar pasuk. The pasuk says, Zot Torah HaHatat. This is the Torah, the laws of the Korban, uh, the Korban Hatat. Zot HaTorah La'ola Le'milchav La'hatat, etc., etc. So this concept, Zot Olat, Zot Torah Ta'hatat, Zot Torah Ta'ola, um, I think there's something here which bears uh, uh, analysis. And I remember reading about, about this concept in the words of, I think it was Rabbi Matityahu Solomon from Lakewood. He said something very interesting. He said there's a, a pasuk that we say, we say it also in the prayers, the Torah Haim Ba'avat Chesed, right? And we find it as well in the uh, Eshet Chayil, right? The Torah Chesed Al Leshona. What does it mean, Torah Chesed? Normally you associate the idea of Torah is the study of something. Chesed is the act of kindness. What is Torah Chesed? There's a Torah of Chesed. What is Torah Ola? There's a Torah of Ola. What is Torah Chatat? There's a Torah of Hatat. Now, my friends, this idea that there's a Torah for each mitzvah is something that is very important. And I want to just perhaps share this together with you for a few minutes. You know, the idea of Talmud Torah in its strictest sense is an obligation that is more dependent on men than it is on women. There's an obligation in pilpul, etc., etc., that a man has, that a woman doesn't have as much. 
However, the Chachamim say that that idea is, um, is true uh, for women as well with regards to the mitzvot that they have an obligation to do. So they have an obligation to study the Torah of the mitzvot that they're obligated in in the same way perhaps, maybe not to the same style or the approach to Torah that a, man, that a man is obligated to do, but they have an obligation to study the halachot, the laws of the mitzvot uh, to, uh, as well. And I was thinking that this idea that there's an entire Torah, if you will, Torah Olah, or Torah Chatat, or Torah Chesed, is supposed to communicate to us something very powerful. I want to imagine for one minute uh, the average day of a regular Jewish person you wake up in the morning. What does Modei Fanecha mean? I remember I had a conversation recently with someone uh, about what this idea is, Modei Fanecha. You know, uh, and he explained to me, he said, you know, I never realized that when I woke up in the morning, I wasn't saying a prayer. I was saying thank you. Now, a lot of people who say Modei every single day are not aware that they're saying thank you. And here's the crazy part. From the people that are not aware that the, when they say modani, they're saying thank you, you know who I include in those ranks? People who actually know what the words modani mean. How wild is that? Huh? Sorry? <laughs> it's wild. Because literally the words mean modani, I am thankful. I'm thankful before you. Oh, uh, living and existent king. That you've given my soul back to me. Literally every morning, what do you say the second you are conscious? Thank you, Hashem, for letting me live another day. For giving back my soul, my consciousness. We have, uh, sorry, what's your name? We have Menachem over here. We have usually with us Jonathan as well. These are people that they, they, uh, they serve as EMTs, they Hatzala, they, they save lives every day. For a guy like me and you, you know, what do we think? You go to bed, what are you going to do when you wake up in the morning? No one says, you know what I'm going to do? If I wake up in the morning. <laughs> Who says this? Anyone here say that? What time are you planning? A, which minyan are you going to tomorrow, honey, if you wake up in the morning? <laughs> no one thinks that way. When I wake up in the morning. But someone who works for EMT, for Hatzalah, the heroes of our community, that we owe so much gratitude to, they'll tell you a lot of people go to bed and they don't wake up. A lot of people go to a wedding and they don't come home. A lot of people go on vacation and then we have to figure out how to get them back from wherever because they passed away on vacation. So Modea Nilfanecha says, don't take for granted that you're going to have tomorrow. You wake up, Baruch Hashem, for today. How could such a thing be? that we say the words and we don't know what we're saying. And even when we know what we're saying, we don't relate to what we're saying as what we're saying. My friends, that to me is Torah toda, the Torah of being thankful. Because what does it mean to be a person who actually has gratitude or who's thankful for what they have? What does it mean? So our rabbis tell us, you know, I remember when I went to a study by Rabbi Berkowitz in Eretz Israel, it was one of the great privileges of my life to have spent time in the Jerusalem Kolo with Rabbi Yitzchak Berkowitz. Absolutely changed my life in many, many, many ways. And I think one of the ways that he changed my life was in the fact that when you learn halacha, oftentimes 
you understand what you are learning as some category of wisdom, these are the halachot of this. But he explained to us that halachot are the ways that you live. And I need to explain it. It's not the way that you keep a halakha. That's not how you learn a sugya, a topic in halakha. It's not that these are how you keep these halakhot. These are the laws of this halakha. But rather, how is a person supposed to exist when they think about loving their fellow Jew? How does that look? How do you think about someone? How do you look at someone? That was what we learned to do. And he taught us that everything in life is a sugya, is a topic that needs to be analyzed, understood, and studied. And when you start to do that, then life becomes a completely different experience. What is the Torah of being thankful? So let's just take an example of what it means when you think about the idea of thank, being thankful, having gratitude to Hashem, what that looks like as opposed to just being thankful. What is the Torah of being thankful? So let's begin. We have a word in Hebrew that we said already means to be thankful. What word is that? Modeh. Modeh anilfanecha, todah. Our rabbis point out a very interesting uh, dual meaning uh, in the word modeh. Modeh at once means a person being thankful. It also means that a person is admitting. Umodeh de'ozev yerucham how do I remember your father singing so beautifully? His father was the first person, by the way. Uh, Albert Cohen Saban was the first person who taught, who taught me uh, that prayer is meant to come from the soul and not from the lips. I'll never forget, I was praying behind him on the high holidays. And when he finished his Amidah, he turned around to do Oseh Shalom. And I looked at him and I saw his eyes were red. And he'd been crying as the Hazan. He'd been crying during his Amidah. And I just was blown away. I must have been seven or eight years old. And I saw that someone was not saying words to Hashem, but was crying to God. And it blew me away. Uh, even as a young child, I was very observant. And I noticed that. And he taught me that. Right? I can remember him singing that. means that you admit. And the Torah is teaching you that there's a correlation between being thankful and being able to admit something. Because in truth, when you're thankful to someone, what are you doing? You're admitting that you could not have done that by yourself. That's why it's hard for some people to say thank you. You ever realize somebody, you do something, the guy shows no appreciation. What do you think? Had us raised in a barn. Right? This guy, well, I remember, you know, they used to tell us, oh, you born in an elevator? Remember that? You think doors open and close by themselves? When you're born in an elevator, I open the door for you. Say thank you. We used to think that if a person didn't say thank you, it was because they weren't raised to be grateful. However, my friends, actually, it might be that their problem is not gratitude. It might be that their problem is ego. And saying thank you means having to admit, I needed you. I needed you. My friends, are you starting to understand that when you say thank you to Hashem, one part of it is thank you for this gift. But there's a second part of it where you're saying to Hashem, God, with all of my money and all of my resources and all of my brains and everything good that I've ever done in my life, if not for you, I could not have forced my eyes open this morning. 
I could not have given myself life. I need you. Hashem, without you, I would not have woken up today. Do you understand that? That is different than being thankful. That's what it means, Torah, Todah. Are we clear? Torah Chesed, as an example, might mean that when I come to do Chesed, everyone knows you have to do Chesed. But the Torah tells us that there's ways that a person actually does Chesed. You can't equate, not all Chesed was born equal. You could go to someone and do an act of kindness with them, and the person at the end of your act of kindness feels less confident, they feel less happy, they feel less able than when you met them in the first place. So the guy is asking you, look, I can't do this job by myself, I don't know what to do, could you help me? You'd stand up next to the guy, you tell him, okay, I can't believe it, what are you, you're three years old, you don't know how to do this for yourself? Uh, let me show you, you gotta do this and you do that. The guy came to you without the ability to do the task, now the task is done, but you know who else is done? This guy is done. Stick a fork in him because he's toast, Hada. You ruined him. You destroyed him. You beat him down. That's the concept of Torah Chesed. Rambam teaches us that there are eight levels in the, in the concept of giving tzedakah. So what do you think if you just understand the word tzedakah, you reach in your pocket, give money, that's tzedakah. No. Every mitzvah has an entire Torah that surrounds it. A wisdom, an understanding, a depth, a profundity, that if you don't look into it, you're just dialing it in. You're barely scratching the surface of that mitzvah. My friends, you have, if you ever have time with a rabbi and you don't know what to ask him, ask him to teach you a little bit about a topic. And again, I can't tell you how powerful this is. Don't ask him for a Dvar Torah. Lots of divrei Torah a person could. And you know what? You learn something. It's nice. But ask him, Rabbi, teach me something about Shalom Bayit. Do you know how much writing there is in the Gemara about Shalom Bayit? You know how much writing there is in the Gemara, in the Midrashim, about, about, what's it called? About hurting someone's feelings? You know the Gemara talks about a certain Rabbi that used to come home, he would study all the time in Yeshiva with his wife's blessing. And he would come home, and he would be home Erev Yom Kippur, and one year, Erev Yom Kippur, he got engrossed in his studies, and he stayed too long. And his wife, Hazita, she's waiting, she has the food there, it's getting late, the fast is going to begin soon, she doesn't know what to do. She sheds one tear. And the Gemara says that when she shed that tear, the floor of the Bet Midrash that the rabbi was studying on collapsed, he fell down the bottom floor and he passed away. The power of what it means to make your wife cry. This is the Torah. We don't only talk about Eruv and Second Day Yom Tov. We talk about life. So when you open up a book and you think to yourself, whatever book it is, a Gemara, a Pirush on the Chumash, whatever it is, the Torah, all of it is giving you a Torah on this subject. On how you look at somebody. There's many Mishnayot. How does a person look with a positive eye? How does a person choose their friends? You know what I wanted this class to be? I wanted this class to be, I don't know if you ever saw in the front page of a book, of a sefer, of a sidur, of whatever it is. The front page, you have something that looks like this. An index. Page Aleph, Parashat Vayikra. Page Lamid Gimel, Parashat Tzav. 
Pays nun gibel parashat shemini. An index of topics. There's so many things that our world is made of. Our relationships, our business, our family life, our moral and ethical choices. And a lot of times we're just winging it. But we don't have to. Zot Torah ta'ola. Zot Torah ta'hatat. This is Torah chesed. This is Torah tzedakah. This is Torah shalom bayit. This is Torah ayin tov. This is Torah lashonara. My friends, many of you know one of the great sages was called the Hafez Chaim. You know what gave him his name, the Hafez Chaim? Anyone know? He wrote a book called Hafez Chaim. Murray, exactly. Why did he write a book called Chafetz Chaim? Because the Pasuk says, Mi Aish Chafetz Chaim. Who's a person who wants life? Netzor Lishonecha Mera Usvatecha Medaber Mima. Hold your tongue back. Netzor Lishonecha Mera from speaking bad. Usvatecha and your lips Medaber Mima from speaking words of trickery. You want Chaim? You want life? This is how you do it. You, don't, you stop speaking Lashon Hara. By the way, every person, every person should try and take on themselves. If you can't do a whole day of Lashon Hara, take some time in the day, an hour or two, where you're very careful not to speak Lashon Hara. And then let, that hour, let those hours spread. Lashon Hara is poison, my friends. It's a cancer. It destroys families. It destroys communities. People start talking about the rabbi, they talk about the president of the shul, they're talking about the people in the shul. Lashon Ara destroys. Where was this guy? What did he do? Destroys people's lives. People want, can't get a job because of Lashon Ara. It's terrible. People can't get their kids into school because of Lashon Ara. I heard that. I remember once I was in a, talking to a shidduch and the person said, I heard that this guy, da 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 da, you know, he's this, he's that. I was like, can't be. I know the boy. Impossible. Impossible. And they're having the whole conversation. They're like, yeah, and not only that, his father is this, his father is that. And anyway, it turns out, God bless our community, there's 900,000 of every person with the same name. Every third person in the shul is called David Towel, right? You know, and, uh, you know, and Joe Levy, and, uh, you know, and uh, whatever, Ajmi, you know, every other guy is the same. Because what do we do? We name after, we name after the living, the father. So every family has, you know what I mean? I think there's nine Shlomo Fahis out there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a problem I think I remember a while back <laughs> there was some guy Rabbi Fahi somewhere that stabbed somebody no, no. I'm not even sketching what? someone emailed me I was like I saw Rabbi Fahi stabs I was like I don't know I'm so, I can't speak for the other Rabbi Fahis <laughs> I didn't stab nobody and if you ever met my father you know it wasn't him oh. you should check maybe it was one of my brothers it's a psycho story, by the way, from the other side of the world. Right? These things happen. Could you imagine you get an email? Uh, Rabbi Fahi, uh, unfortunately, we heard about the stabbing incident. <laughs> We're going to have to let you go. <laughs> Do you understand? The Chafetz Chaim is called the Chafetz Chaim because he wrote a book about Lashon Hara. You know what else the Chafetz Chaim wrote a book about? Everything. He wrote what's called the Mishnah Birurah. Mishnah Birurah is one of the preeminent halachot that's quoted, uh, sefarim that's quoted on halacha. On which halachot? On all of Orachayim. On all of it. So why don't we call him the Mishnah Birurah instead of the Chafetz Chaim? He wrote about one mitzvah, but he also wrote about all these mitzvot. You know what the answer is? 
Because he took a mitzvah that did not have the exposure. He was the one that brought Lashon Hara to the world. It's a pasuk, by the way. It's gemarot everywhere. But people were not strict about it. They didn't know the laws about it. So he wrote a book called Chafetz Chaim. My rabbi, Rabbi Berkowitz, by the way, was the one that wrote the English translation of the Chafetz Chaim. And you have a little bit of it divided into the days. Everybody should buy this. Everyone. There's tremendous sigula to spend a little time learning two halachot every day from Lashon Hara. I have a friend, his name is Rabbi Yechesko Menash, who goes around telling people about all of the incredible miracles that have happened to people that have taken on to learn two halachot every day from Lashon Hara. I want to start from this class, a group of people who would like to learn two halachot every day of Lashon Hara together, volunteer, and we'll start a, a group, and every day we'll hold ourselves accountable to learn two halachot. If you're in, you can message me wherever you heard this, on WhatsApp, on Spotify, on Instagram, on Facebook, from Torah, anytime, in my email. I don't know how you got this. We're, gonna, we're not going to do it live. We're going to learn, we're going to give you a schedule, and we're going to do, do a schedule. Everyone can learn it whatever time of the day they want, okay? We're going to start a group together. We're going to learn Lachot Lashon Hara. But why did he call, get called Chafetz Chaim? Because he codified the laws of Lashon Hara. He taught us all of anyone that wants to live life. This is how you do it. My friends, everything in the world has a Torah, a Torah to it, a way to do it and a way not to do it. If you speak to the old guys, the old generation, and by the way, old generation doesn't necessarily mean old guys. There are young people who come from the old generation. One example, Haron Shochet. Haron Shochet is old school. He does things the way things are supposed to be done. One of his favorite words is, it's not proper. You speak to the old timers, you ask them, let's do this. What do they say? Aib. What's wrong? Aib. Mabisir. Aib. Mabisir. Can't do that. It's wrong. Right? They didn't need to explain why it was wrong in the old country. You understood that you don't do this to somebody. Which halakha is it? It's no halakha. It's the halakhot of Aib and Mabisir. We don't do that. It's not our way. In Yiddish, they would say, Pasnish. Yes, Avi. You understand that? It's not, it's not appropriate. There's a Torah. There's a way that things should be done and a way that things should not be done. And I'll end with this. Just so you understand what I'm talking about. Someone once asked me, what, what do you feel was the greatest lesson you learned from your rabbi? And I gave a very weird answer to this question. One day I went to the kolel that we were studying in. At the time it was in Hanicha Yeshivot, it was in Romema. Anyway, in this building there were many different groups of people that were learning, there was a shul, so there was lots happening in this building. We were a small group of guys in the first uh, zman, in the first, uh, uh, um, the first uh, semester of the kolel. The rabbi chose 15 people to start the kolel, I think it was at the time. He chose 15 people he wanted to start the kolel with. I was lucky enough to get an invitation. He was sending it to a different rabbi Farhi, but he had to back out because he stabbed someone. <laughs> so I got it. <laughs> anyway, I go to this kolel and he starts teaching us. Every day he's teaching us halakha. Every day he's teaching us as well, um, uh, how do you call it? Hashkafa, uh, the way to look at life in his uh, shiur in the afternoon. Anyway, I'm there for a little while. One day, I come to the yeshiva, and the door is a glass door with a frame around it. And the glass has been shattered. So there's no glass in the door. All there is is this big frame. The frame is this big around the glass. So I notice, as I go to the door, I see the door is broken through. I reached out with my arm, and I started pulling open 
a non-existent door. You understand? And I caught myself, and I asked myself, why did I do that? So I'm a weird guy. I, I said to you, I like, I observe people, I try to understand. Why do people do things? What motivates? I stood back, I noticed that some people walked up to the door and opened the door and went in a non-existent door, and some people just walked through this giant open door. Like the, the frame is this big on the floor. So they just stepped through. And that's when I started to notice something that was unbelievable. Every person that opened the door was someone who studied in our Kolel, and every person that walked through the door was everybody else that did not study with us. And that afternoon, I sat with my rabbi, and I said, Rabbi, I noticed, I didn't understand, I don't know what I noticed. What did you teach us that made every guy from our Kolel open the door, and every guy walk through, there's no what, there's no, is there a law, is there something subconsciously we picked up? And the rabbi said, of course. Of course, I've taught you that there's a seder to the way you do things. There's a way that you do things. Whether or not there's a glass in the door, when you walk up to a door, you open the door. That's the way you behave. That's the way you think. The fact that there's not a door there, who cares? And it reminded me, I'm only reminded of this because of Friday night, I shared a divine travel with this, and this will end. They came once to Rav uh, Steinman, and they told him, we signed up the yeshiva to get funds that were unclaimed. There's a law in Israel. If funds, guy dies, he has no one to inherit him, no children, nobody, nobody. What do they do? The government seizes the unclaimed property. It happens in America too. And the government takes it and distributes the funds to the charities, the local charities, the 501c3s. But you have to apply for that money. Anyway, they did all the work, they applied for the grant, the unclaimed property, unclaimed money, and they're going to get money from the yeshiva. Anyway, they go to the rabbi, they tell rabbi, here's the paper, sign the paper. The rabbi says, no, we're not doing it. The guy says, why? He says, because the Gemara says, En lecha Israel, there's no Jew out there, she'en lo yorshim, that does not have an inheritor. Why? Because even if he doesn't have children, he has brothers. It goes back to his level. And if he has no brothers, he has parents. And if he doesn't have parents, it goes back up another generation and it goes to a cousin. It doesn't, and every Jew is related to someone in the Jewish people. So it has to be that this person has halachic yorshim, halachic um, recipients to his will. So for us to take that money from his 74th cousin, eight times removed, not allowed. But they said to him, Rabbi, the 74th cousin, eighth time removed, is not getting it anyway. It's going to go to the basketball court on the corner, to the painting thing on this side, to the pizza shop in the, you know, for underprivileged youth, right? That's what's going to go to everyone else. Why can't we have it? He says, this is the halakha. This is who it's supposed to go to. This is who it belongs to. You're telling me because they're not going to get it, we should stick our hand in the pot and take the money? Who cares what they're doing? Who cares if he's not getting it? I should do something that's not correct? That was the lesson that my rabbi was teaching us. Who cares if there's glass in the door? You do you. You do the right thing. Whether the other person's doing the right thing, whether the other person's going to ganav anyway, whether any... You do you. That's what it means. Torah chaim, Torah chesed, the Torah of life. 
the Torah of kindness, the Torah, then, my friends, if you come across a new subject, figure out that there's an index and the laws of that topic, subject, question mark in your life, they are written somewhere. And find out and ask your rabbi to teach you what is the Torah of money you find in an ATM? What is the Torah of Hashavat Avedah that you find on a plane? Everything has its laws. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us guidance for every single scenario that we could ever come across. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Amen.